the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hey, yo, this is Carson from Aston down near Newman, near Delco State. Two bowl as well, Ron John Show. It's 30 fucking 5 up here in fucking sunny Philly, fucking Delphia. And all I could fucking think about is those birds beating the shit out of those cowgirls. Let's scratch off the bears and then go down to Dallas and take our business. The Ron and John Show starts now, boys. What is up, everybody? Ron and John Show. Ron, I'm back. He's I'm back. I'm an uh, I'm back. Life, life as we know it is over. <laughs> yes. Yes, he is now a stolen man. Ron has been stolen from the world, from us. No, I'm just kidding. Congratulations to Austin. Getting engaged. Wonderful stuff. Did it in London. A true class act. Gallivanted around Italy with her for the next couple weeks. So um, awesome, awesome stuff over there, Ron. We're going to have a whole separate episode where we touch on the whole trip, everything that happened and, and shit like that. But you've missed a lot since you've been gone um, in the yes. world of sports. Um, so we're going to break into that a little bit. So b- before I go in, how, how what were you able to watch while you were there? So... Going through Philly sports, the only game, the only sporting event that I was able to watch fully, and this is a little bit psychotic, but I felt the need to do it, was the Brooklyn Nets Sixers basketball game. Oh, wow. So nothing else. None of the two Eagles games mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to watch. Um, but that Brooklyn Nets game I got to watch. And so I'll just give my description of what I saw mm-hmm. from that game and then let you just fill me in on the rest of sports. Mm-hmm. That game with the Sixers playing Kyrie, Durant, and Simmons, and they didn't have Harden, Embiid, or Maxi. that was the most fun Sixers game I've watched since the process. Yep. And coming home now and watching them play even with Embiid, but without Harden and Maxi. And I don't think this is a maxi problem at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are playing so hard. Like they lost like the other night by like mm-hmm. twenty twenty like by like twenty-five points. They got killed. Yeah. They were playing so hard. Like they were down twenty-five points and Embiid dove into the crowd for a ball and like they were on the ground and I was like, fucking A. Like, yeah. like this is this is a team that I can support. Yeah. And oh. this is this is what I was saying last time on the cast about like I don't care if we have the superstar players, I don't care if we're like if we're 82 and 0. Like I want to see a team that grinds. Like you need a Philly type team in order to get the fans behind you. So it's good it's good to see them kind of come back into that. Um but one thing I will say, so back when we were young, yeah. They they, they used to have they well they used to have different <laughs> deals. For the Sixers games to give you a little extra prize. Um, so it used to be, you remember when back when before the NBA always scored over 100 points? You used to get a free Big Mac when yes. they scored over 100. Um, and then it went into the frosty freeze out where if they missed 
two free throws in a row, you would get a free frosty. Um, and now, do you know what it is now? Now, now it's the Chick Fil A. It's like Chuck and Nuggets or something, right no now. No way. So if you if they miss the first two, you get a uh, or uh, I think it's a six piece nugget. If you if they miss the next two, you get an eight piece nugget. And if they miss two more, you get a dozen nuggets free from Chick Fil A wow. the next day. But you have to say so you have to claim it before 10 a.m. the next day. So anybody watching, right, and you're like, oh, I can't get my nuggets, go on the app as soon as the game ends and claim it, and then it'll just be in your rewards. But holy the shit thing is, is that when we play the Brooklyn Nets, Ben Simmons got us 12 nuggets by himself. Wow. He missed six free throws all like in a row. And He's he he got the whole crowd nuggets, and that's why I was like, Dude, we need to so, play the Nets more often. Chick Fil A is going to go out of business. <laughs> they'll be closed Saturday and Sunday soon. Exactly, they're like, I can't fucking or, or they'll be Simmons. opening on Sundays to yeah. make up the money. We um, gave away eighty thousand nuggets because of Ben Simmons. <laughs> that's a phenomenal prize. Like, yeah, that's, that's better than Wendy's. Yes, but I meant to ask you: Have you or do you know anyone? That's ever gone and gotten the nuggets or the frosty after the game. I've never done it. Well, so my brother Michael has been getting the nuggets every time. Oh, he has. Um, yeah, he got the twelve count for for Simmons. Wow. Um, I don't think I've ever done the frosty, but I think we did the Big Mac a couple times when we were young. We were like we, in we were early in high Mac school Mac. when they were doing that. Yeah. Um. Yo, think about that. That was to score over a hundred points. They yeah. it, they never don't score over a hundred points in the NBA now. I don't know the last time I've seen a line go under two hundred points. So they're assuming that each team is going to score a hundred every yes. game. But hold on, real quick before we keep going, Ron, can you turn your screen a little bit that way because you got a bad glare? This turn way. The, well, yeah, and then move your chair to towards it. There we go. Yeah, now you're blocking the glare. Before there was a giant glare, but you're yeah, good now. That. Yep. All right. Now we're good. We're back. Um, but yeah, man, the Sixers, they look all right. They're playing a little harder. I still think that we struggle sometimes with our coordination out there. Not like hand-eye coordination, but like in terms of like running plays as a team. And I don't think I think Doc's done a better job of getting them more excited to play, but I don't think he's done enough in terms of giving them the basketball confidence to like go down and attack every time. We just have gotten by with guys being like better basketball players. Um, so I don't think right now we're at a point where we're going to make a run for the finals, but we're definitely moving in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and one thing to note for our listeners – since essentially since Harden went down, mm -hmm. um, so we're looking at about a month here. So after, I guess the first five or nah, probably eight to ten games of the season, uh, the Sixers are ranked as the number one defense in basketball, and so I think that's something just to follow because I feel like we see every year, typically either the top offense or the number one defense does end up making it conference finals, NBA finals. Yeah. Um, so I think 
like you talked about, their offense hasn't been clean, but if they can continue to put their eggs in the defensive basket, yeah. I feel like their points will come just because they're so talented that yeah. they'll, that, that, uh, that, that I'm going to, I'm going to follow that. And I think our mm. listeners should, because that may tell the story of how the team kind of ends up at the end of the year. Yeah. I just think like, what, like that, that's great for the regular season and we're going to have a good regular season record following that system. But I think once you get to the playoffs, it's so hard to play hounding defense for seven games straight and like really take it to a, one of the best teams in the league. And I think that's kind of what came back to bite us in the ass the last few years in the playoffs. It's like, like we're a great defensive team, but like the Hawks, right? You can't hang with them seven games just playing great defense, right? Your offense at some point needs to step in and be like, we need to take over a game, right? Just like the um, the the uh, Kawhi Leonard shot in Toronto. It's like we were playing great, right? It came down to the last shot, which was like a prayer. And apparently he traveled on that play. Um, and we played great defense, but sometimes the, another team's offense is just too potent for us to not equalize it on the opposite end, you know? But but um, remember, like, that also – it also goes back to, like uh, – and I remember watching that game. A lot of that was literally Kawhi Leonard just being better than us. Yeah. And so I think it goes back to, like, we have all these superstars – really Embiid and mm-hmm. Maxi, I would say the two most, it has to come down to, they just have to get it the fuck done. Like, well, and Harden, man, I we know. I, up- I just don't think he can. I, I don't think he can. Well, we, we give up a bag for him and he's, he's a high paid player. We know he has the potential to do it. We've seen him. He has um, the handles. He has the handles to be the guy that can do, whoop, whoop, whoop. but then well, I feel like every time he does it, he steps back. And just fucking bricks it. Like it, it's either he's so hot that he'll make five in a row, or like it's horrible shots. Yeah, just, there's no in between. Yeah, I think for him, he just needs that. Like, I think he needs to get angry. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he yeah. plays very like within himself. Like he doesn't let shit bother <laughs> him, which I kind of like in some senses. Like you need a good balance of that. But like, I want to see somebody piss him off. And him actually turn the switch on and go, all right, it's time for me to be the best player in basketball. Right. And the Jimmy just, Butler switch. Exactly. And just take over the fucking game. Um, before we move on, I do like now that you said Jimmy Butler, I want to talk about this because I saw this video and it blew my mind. So I sent it to you guys, and I'm yep, sure you remember watching it. Yep. That this this idea that Jimmy Butler is Michael Jordan's illegitimate son the, and like all the evidence they have for it that makes it true is pretty unbelievable. Yeah. Like Jimmy yeah. Butler grew up with a single mom in Chicago and was born at the time where Jordan was making his run with the Bulls, right? His mom told him that his father didn't want to have his identity released because he didn't want to tarnish his name, right? Like who else has a big enough name where it's going to be? They look exactly alike. If you put a picture of them side by side, they're like twins. And then if you look at Jordan with his like actual kids, he doesn't look like any of them. Um, the kid's a natural basketball freak like Jordan was, right? He's got that like grinder. Like they're like literally. Got the dog. 
Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Now, if I'm here's what I'm thinking though. If I'm Jordan and all this stuff starts to come out, do you think he feels compelled at all to go to Jimmy and be like, listen, I'm sorry that I haven't told you this, but I'm your dad? Like, do you think he can say that Dude, to you? But here's the thing. I don't even know if he would know right now if that is his son. Like, he probably fucked so many women and has so many. Like, he, he probably don't even know what that girl's name was to know that that would just be his son. Well, no, but the fact that the fact that he said he wanted to keep his identity, like the mom knew that he wanted to keep his identity. Because I'm sure she probably asked him. She's probably like, hey, you fucked me. I'm pregnant and I am having the kid. Right. And yeah. then he was like, I don't want to be a part of it. I want to keep. And then he probably had his lawyers get involved. So we probably knew about the whole situation, judging by how they said that it played out. And what's even more fucked up is that I think I'm pretty sure I'm correct in this, but apparently Jimmy Butler's mom at like 17 or 16 was like, I don't want to be associated with you anymore and like kicked him out. And he was like homeless for a little bit before he went to college. Um, A crazy story. And like, shout out to Jimmy Butler. Like what an amazing dude um, to overcome all that shit and still be an unbelievably successful basketball player and like a really good person as well like jimmy butler's like a good dude um so shout out to him and like fuck jordan if he doesn't want to be a part of your life but like that would be kind of wild if If jordan came out he he should get a dna test that's Uh, what i was saying jimmy but i don't think he gives a fuck enough to but i think just for our sake he should do it for the public yeah i think i think I think maybe, and and I'm not a big, like, fan of revenge in a sense that, like, if somebody fucks with you, like, you need to go back and fuck with them. But I do think that it would be a therapeutic relief for him to just let the public know that this guy was my dad and he abandoned me. And not to, like, tarnish Jordan's name, which I think his name is so, like, ingrained (coughs) in stone by now that even with this scandal that he wouldn't really lose anything. Um, But I mean, like, dude, like you can't just like Lee abandon your kid and then have no consequences, you know? Correct. It's yeah. But yeah. Wild story. I kind of wish Jimmy was still here. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, they probably would have won a championship by now or gotten there. Yeah. I just think he, he was, um, Almost like he kind of reminds me of the basketball version of Jalen Hurts, right? Yes. Where he's That's not a like great analogy because remember when he came in the league mm-hmm. with the Bulls, it was like his first year he didn't play at all. His second year he was like a tenth man. Then he was a seventh man. Then he was mm-hmm. a sixth man. Then he became a starter. Then he took over for road. Like his NBA journey is crazy. Kind of yes. similar to Hurts, like. I mean, yeah, it, it's uh, unbelievable. That was a phenomenal transition in the football, by the way. Jalen Hurts, I love that. Yeah, but yeah, I just I just see Jimmy Butler as like one of those Philly guys. Like I see Jalen Hurts as like a Philly dude, um, and it's a shame. And I, I, I really can't be mad at us signing Tobias. I think Tobias has played well. I think he's yeah. played to the best of his ability. Do I think he deserved all the money we gave him? 
based on how good of a player he is? No, but I'm not mad that we have him on our team. Like, I think he's a good dude. I think he plays hard, but I think Jimmy Butler's just a different kind of guy. And I think dude, when you're well, here's the thing, here's the thing that's frustrating. They could have signed them both. Mm-hmm. So that's not the reason. Like they they ended up signing Al Horford with the Jimmy Butler money. Yeah. For Which fucking 20, $25 million, like that cocksucker sucked. Yeah. Um the problem was Simmons. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what I don't understand. They felt that they couldn't have Jimmy because Simmons wanted and needed the ball at all times. But now I'm watching him and he's the fucking backup center. Yeah. Like he didn't need the ball all the time. And quite frankly, he probably would have been a better basketball player if his only job on that team would have been to run the fast break mm-hmm. and then just fucking play defense and do yeah. nothing else. Yeah. And at the time we didn't have Maxi. I think if we had Maxi at the time that we had Butler, it's a different story. I think they go, well, we don't need Simmons. We could play Maxi at the one. We'll have like that. They would have traded Simmons. Well, yeah, it's just like you have that Danny Green or like D'Anthony Melton type, like three and D two guard. You put Jimmy Butler at the three to dominate, Tobias sitting low at the four, and then Embiid rounding out the middle. Um, that's a championship lineup there. Um, yeah. But I think with them, they were like, we're going to be so weak in the front court if we get rid of Simmons. I think their thought process was, well, if we if we don't have a wing, we already have Tobias and Embiid, right? We need to keep that front court stable. Um, but I still think, like looking back on it, like Jimmy, it's Jimmy Butler all the way. You have to I give mean, him that money. I just don't think it should have been either or. I think it should have been like Ben. You're on your rookie fucking contract. You're not going to tell us who we're keeping. Like yeah. we're keeping both of you, and you're going to figure it the fuck out. Because or you you're leave. Both good. Yeah. But like we're not gonna not take Jimmy Butler, like, oh, oh, and then we're gonna accommodate you by getting a stretch five who just so happens to fucking be right in Embiid's way for four quarters the entire yeah. game. He was he was just like a big ball of mush sitting out there. But unbelievable. And speaking yeah. of and, and last thing I wanted to touch on because you brought up the name DeAnthony Mountain. Phenomenal trade to trade yeah. Danny Green. And get a guy. They pretty much got the young Danny Green, like eight, yeah. eight nine years younger version. Yeah, yeah. He's been um, he's been playing well, and he can handle the ball a little better too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, was impressed with that trade. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think right now we're in a good position. It's just like, can we play the right brand of basketball to get us to the championship? Um, and does Embiid have enough in the tank to be the leader every minute of every game through the playoffs right. and get there? Which, I mean, he's awesome, but it's it's a tough thing to ask him to do, you know. But centers don't do it usually. Yeah, it's just it's a stamina issue, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean. Giannis is to me a better athlete than Embiid. I think Embiid's a better basketball player, but Giannis <laughs> has the ability to play at a hundred percent for four quarters. And Embiid does have that ability, but can he stretch that over twenty games through three series? I feel like, you know, as an athlete, 
when you're when you reach the brink of exhaustion and you're yeah. able to put yourself that much more. I don't think Embiid's figured out how to do that yet. He strikes me as once he hits exhaustion, it's just hands on his knees like, I'm dead, I'm dead. Like, yeah. he doesn't know how to be like, all right, one more minute. Like Yeah, to just, battle through it. Like, fuck it. Like, I know my legs are heavy. Like, fuck it. I just got to get it done right now. Yeah. Yeah, but I do think, though, it is hard to look at a guy who plays so well and be like, we need more out of you. Like, I get we need it, but he does so much already and he's so phenomenal. It like it kind of feels bad to look at Embiid and go, listen, I know you have 35 and 10 right now, but I need you to score another 10 and 5. Right? It's like Yeah. Well, what he's been doing, which I like, and he did this in the Hawks game when they won. The first half, first couple quarters, and it's what all good players do. Their primary focus is is having the ball pop around and getting everybody else feeling confident. Yeah. And get them their shots. And then once that middle of third quarter to the through the end of the game, you begin to dominate. Yeah. But you need everybody else. Yeah. It's a team yeah. sport. So I think if they can continue to do that, that's a good recipe is making mm-hmm. everyone feel involved. Even last night, PJ Tucker got like two threes. He got the ball passed to him. Like everybody needs to feel part of it. Yeah. I think it is tough to do that though, from a center position. Cause you're not really facilitating the ball. No doubt. Like right now, um, he's touching it more and facilitating because they don't have a true point guard. But you're right. Mm-hmm. When you have Harden, when you have Maxi, it's difficult. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why, personally, I actually think that they shouldn't start Maxi and he should come off the bench. Yeah. Because I I don't think like you can just start and shake. It don't matter. Like mm-hmm. they don't, they don't, in the half court, the ball's going through Harden and Embiid. So you're pretty yeah. much just wasting Maxi. But if you came off the bench with like Maxi and Melton, or like you started Melton and you came off with Maxi, Shake, Paul Reed, like those guys would just be flying up and down the court, like outrunning mm-hmm. the other team. I feel like it's an unnecessary thing. Like he should be like managing Obli for us. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's tough though to look at guys can score 30 points a game and be like, Sorry, you're gonna come off the bench. And like you, he would but, still play the same amount of minutes. I don't know. I just think starting the game, it's like it feels like very similar to Simmons, where it's like you have one guy who can run the court, right? But no one else can. Harden and Bead, Tobias and PJ Tucker, they ain't fucking getting up and down the court. It's literally yeah. just Maxi who can get up fast. Yeah. But he can play like 40 minutes a game. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm just talking those first that first quarter. I feel like he the first five six minutes of the game, Maxi doesn't get the ball. He just stands there while they're in half court. So you might as well just have him come off the bench when you take out Harden, and have the first five six minutes be without him. And then yeah. after that, you can just flow regularly. But mm-hmm. you'll get that fucking second half of the first quarter like run where yeah. Maxi comes in and just scores ten quick ones, and you're now you're up ten twelve points. Mm-hmm. And you can start to get rolling. I don't know. Just a thought. It'd be nice if the coach just tried a couple different things like that, yeah. just to see in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing the same thing, and then the playoffs happen, and he's like, "Oh, we got to make an adjustment," and they do something that they've never done before. Yeah, well, that's a thing too. It's the coach that when you have a center, where it's hard to help him facilitate the offense, right? Like you said, get other guys hot. You, that that's where your coach comes in and has to be like, all right, here's our game plan to get everybody else hot. And then when we need buckets, we just go to Embiid down low and he cooks. 
right? But everybody else in the court has to roll through Doc's offense, which yeah. kind of hasn't been anything impressive through this they season. They have to move. Exactly. Like nothing's Off worse the ball. than when they call they I think they call it four out. That's the worst play in basketball. It's literally the four guys just stand in their spots on the perimeter and then B just tries to cook in the middle of the floor. Yeah. But like no one's moving. Well, yeah, and it's so much easier to double Embiid when no one else in the court you when you know yes. where they are. I like the they've been doing I saw it like in uh the last game where they get on the ball and people are actually cutting through the lane. And mm-hmm. fucking moving around and shit. Like, that's when you fuck the other team up. Cause if they, they, they don't know who they're supposed to do, who they're supposed to stay with, they have no yeah. idea. Yeah. <laughs> and then you either get Embiid one on one, which is bucket, or you get free runner to the rim bucket. You know what offense he would be unbelievable in? What? The Warriors. Yeah. I mean, dude, if he had Steph Curry, like, that's lethal. <laughs> dude, he wouldn't even need him. This, I'm just talking the system. Just how they all move, he yeah. would be fucking as dominant as Steph Curry because yeah. there would be so much movement that it, it, it would be unbelievable. It, yeah. He would he would be joking. He would have ten assists a game, fucking thirty five mm. points. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, but all right, I think that was a good enough Sixers talk. I want to move on to the hottest team in football right now, the Philadelphia Eagles improving to i believe 10 and 1 we are right now yeah unbelievable performances jalen hurts i don't know how he doesn't get the mvp this year it's yeah i just don't see any other player that's played as consistently dominant as he has and has been more of a value to his team so run run me through a little synopsis the last two weeks uh, offense, defense, special teams, kind of good and bad things you've seen from that. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll start off with the Sunday night game we had last week. Um, I mean, it was it was all hurts. I mean, we played the Packers. Packers had a decent offense. They put up 30, I think 30 points. But we won 38-30, and it was just every time we touched the ball, you felt confident that Jalen was going to get it done. Right. We even get to like third and long and guys go down the field. Nobody's open. He's taking it with his feet for the first down. Right. He's not sliding early. He's pushing for extra yards, getting the first down, anything third and short. He's lethal in the run game. Um, And one thing that we talked about on the cast that they did, which I was so excited to see, was we had a couple plays where we struggled to get the QB sneak. And then. um it was the Colts game where we needed that final touchdown. And we were near the goal line. I think we were on the six-yard line. And third down, need to convert. And what do we do? We spread everybody out. Empty set for Hertz, right? Now their defense is spread out on the goal line. They got their four linemen in the middle. They got their linebackers spread out on our on our receivers, right? And then they walk up a safety to, like, play the box. And... We direct snap, run right up the middle, walk in touchdown, untouched. Hmm. And I'm like, I was saying this. I'm like, they know you're going to run the QB sneak, right? Once in a while, you have to spread them out and keep them honest. Right. And then run it up the middle, right? Because if they can just stack the box every time and they know what you're going to run, while we're really good at it, it's still hard to convert every time when they know what you're doing. 
Right. And that little adjustment, dude, it made me so happy. And that was to win the game versus the Colts. Um, it was it was it was awesome to see. Um, another standout player in my eyes, Miles Sanders has had an unbelievable year. Um, I did have a lot of questions about him coming into the year because of mainly his vision and his ability to hit the hole. Um, he's been remarkable at that this year. He's, I think he might be averaging over five yards a carry right now. Um, and he's, he's been the explosive, um, guy that we need in the run game with that great offensive line. And he's really cemented himself as the number one back. We kind of started this year as a committee with Scott and Gainwell and him and, I think as the year has gone on, he's become that guy where he's like, it's Miles Sanders. And then if he needs a breather, we put in the other guys like this isn't a running back committee anymore. Um, so that's been great to see. I think defensively we play, we've been playing okay. I mean, obviously 30 points to the Packers is not what you want to see. Um, and I think Jordan Davis returning, I think he's, he's practicing with the team again now. So I don't know if he'll play this week, but definitely the following week versus the uh I believe we have the Giants next week. Um yeah. he's uh he's gonna be back, which is gonna help us tremendously in the run game. But um our D backs are playing great, which is I think been the reason that we can win games, but they're close. It's because teams have the ability to run on us right now because we're kind of weak up front. But our D backs are so good that when it comes down to late game and they need to pass the ball to move the offense. Our D-backs have been right there. Um, James Bradbury, unbelievable. Darius Slay, unbelievable. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, leading the league in interceptions, a phenomenal player. Unbelievable pickup by Howie to start the season. Um, and then even Marcus Epps, who's like the no-name guy of that defensive backfield, he's been awesome in the run game. Um, he's been around in the past game. Like, he hasn't really given up any um, deep balls. Like, he's... He's playing a good safety, and um, I think really if we need to improve anywhere, it's in our run defense, which is something that coming into the year we thought was the only guarantee. Um, yeah, but we're playing really good football, um, and it's and it's great to see. And I think Jalen Hurts is the nucleus of that team, and if he doesn't win MVP, I think the system's rigged. It's. It's it's not an accurate representation of the NFL if he doesn't win the MVP this year. So that's a great synopsis. Now I have a question in regards to Gardner Johnson. Um, based on what you saw when he went out with his injury, obviously mm -hmm. now he has a lacerated kidney. Uh sounds like he's probably gonna be out until the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Um does that give you any concern? I mean, I know Blankenship had the one interception, but um, you know, outside of that, were there some mistakes that he made? Um, any concern about uh, you know, that position going forward? Um, not really, man. I think he played really well. Um, they didn't really attack him. Like normally when you get a sub in there, you're like the offense is gonna be like, Oh, there's Waldo, we're gonna go right after him. And they started to try to do that, and he held his own. He had that pick. He's a big hitter, which I love he, to see. He looks uh, when I saw, I just saw a highlight of his pick. He looked like a fucking shot out of a cannon. Yeah, when he got that ball, like yeah, he's and, a little and, nuts. 
And and the funny part now, you know, this isn't racist, but a white safety. Yeah, crazy to like, see. Like just a you you know, <laughs> undrafted just, white safety starting in the NFL. You're nuts. Like yeah. you have to be a fucking nut. Yeah, it's you just so it. uncommon that you think that when you see him there, you're like, okay, this guy's got to have something, right? There's Something's no way he made gotta... it this far through the system <laughs> yeah. without being at least somewhat good. Yeah, but um, I think the major thing that we have to look out for with him playing is because he's a big hitter, because he's a very aggressive defensive back, I think it's going to be incumbent upon Marcus Epps to go, all right, now I'm the veteran back here. I need to play a little more conservative. I need to play a little more smart than kind of be a free runner like he was before because he had CJ behind him. Um yeah, so, so do they do they flip that, do you think? Because Gardner Johnson was kind of playing center field. Based on the way you're describing Reed, like do you rock Blankenship down and tell Apps, listen, we need you to be like the safety net guy, like protect the back end? I think I think for them, if they run a hybrid look, right? It's like you keep you keep Blankenship on one side of the field, you keep Epps on one side of the field. Wherever the strength is, you rock that guy down. So if they're playing strength to Blankenship side, he rocks down, Marcus uh, rolls over, and then he becomes the the deep Ben. And then at opposite, if it runs the other side, you rock Epps down, let him play his true strong safety, and then you bring Reed over the top. Um, I don't think we change it up. I think changing the defense, changing people's position can kind of put them in a bad spot. But I think the adjustment has to be made to where they tell Marcus, be like, hey, listen, you've been playing great, but now you have to be the leader. Right, you need to be the guy that's always in the right place, like where they're supposed to be. Um, don't take him out of his game, but make him understand that with CJ out, that you're the guy back there. Yeah. And um, and and I don't, I don't, I didn't think it was a problem versus um, Green Bay. I think our biggest problem right now is our pass coverage with our linebackers. Um, that was that was what I saw from them because they hit a lot right over the middle. Um, but that and the, that and the run defense. But, I, I mean, with how our offense operates, I don't think there's been a time we've gotten the ball, and I didn't think we were going to go down and put points on the board. So yes. it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm confident in the boys. I think we're great. And Sirianni, dude, just tip of the cap, man. He's been he's been phenomenal. Another guy who deserves an award, right? If he's not coach of the year, then who is? Second year head coach, led his team to ten and one through this point. Been playing great football. He's been a great leader. Did you see him on the sideline after the Colts game? Yeah, he's fucking nuts. He's screaming at the crowd. That was for Frank Reich. I'm like, dude, he's he's emotional. This one's for Pat. Exactly. <laughs> dude, he's emotionally invested. Which is yeah, dude, and you see him. He was going in the locker room. He's fucking crying after yeah. the game. Like he he is a very emotionally invested. Probably yeah. honestly, the most emotionally invested coach I've I've seen in the NFL. Yeah, the last like ten years. Like he really cares. Like he's he's out there with the. It's almost like he's a player that doesn't play. Yeah, he, he <laughs> contributes. To the team, but he views himself as like a player. It's like my job is just not to throw touchdown passes. My job is to like run the team. 
(laughs) In college basketball, he's the white guy at the end of the bench with the towel. Exactly. If that white guy was the head coach. Yes. Like, he shit talks the other players. Like, when they, they, like, do some shit, he, like, fucking curses them out. Yeah. Yeah, man. And it's crazy. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody, player or coach, of any sport, come into Philly having not been from here, having not really spent time here, and then just completely change their entire personality to be a Philly guy. It's like Hertz is Hertz is a really Philly dude, but he didn't really change much when he came to Philly. He's just himself. He just wasn't like that. <laughs> Same with Jimmy Butler we were talking about earlier. Like he kind of was a Philly guy when he came in, just with his attitude. Sirianni was not like this at all last year. Like we were watching his press conferences, he could barely speak. And we were like, "Oh my god, what the fuck do we yeah, have now?" Now I actually look for his 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 interviews. Yeah, and yeah. like like listen to him. One one thing I want to touch on too, what you said about Hertz. I think the key is that he is an unemotional Philly guy. Mm-hmm. That's not normal. That's what makes him so special at the quarterback position, I think, because yeah. he has all the attributes you want of a Philly guy, but no emotion, win, loss. So people tell him he's fucking terrible. People tell him he's the best in the world. Like, he doesn't change. And so that's, like, probably the best combination of a Philly guy yeah. ever. Because yeah. we can be very emotional. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and I think he – he, I think he. It's not that he's not emotional. I just think he hides it. Like he, yes, just, he's right. not a very expressive, emotional dude. He's not going to um, let the other team or the city know if he's upset or happy. He's going to exactly. stay head down, just yeah. on the next one. Yeah. But last thing, as we're as we're wrapping up here, I do got to say, one thing that has been concerning that's kind of been overlooked because we've been winning so much. Wide receiver ball control. We fumbled yes. the ball a ton. Right. I think it's like four or five fumbles. AJ Brown had one. Quez Watkins had one. Dallas Goddard had one. It's like if we if we want to win in the playoffs, we you don't get second chances. Like you need to control the football. So I mean that's if if we have really one thing to work on on the offensive end, it's that, right? Ball security. But I mean if, if we're eleven to no if we don't fumble. Like guess who just got back today?
Yeah. 